Due to the graphic nature of this murder case, listener discretion is advised. This episode includes dramatizations and discussions of murder and sexual assault. We advise extreme caution for children under 13. On January 6th, 1931, 28-year-old Evelyn Foster drove her cab under a pale moon. Like most residents of Otterburn, England, she was headed home to escape the bitter cold. But she didn't plan to stay there long. Almost as soon as she'd arrived, she went out the door again. She told her parents she'd picked up a gentleman traveler on the side of the road. He needed a ride 20 miles south to the town of Pontyland. The thought worried Evelyn's mother. It was dangerously cold outside, and her daughter didn't usually allow strange men into her car at this time of night. But Evelyn was adamant. She'd been running her own taxi company for years. She could fend for herself. She grabbed a flashlight and headed back outside. Mrs. Foster listened to the engine fade into the dark, unable to shake the sinking feeling in her gut. The next time she saw Evelyn, her daughter would be covered in brutal burns, clinging to life and whispering hoarsely about an awful man. This is Unsolved Murders, True Crime Stories, a Spotify original from ParCast. I'm your host, Carter Roy. And I'm your host, Wendy McKenzie. Every Tuesday, we dive into the world of a real unsolved murder and try to solve the case. You can find episodes of Unsolved Murders and all other Spotify originals from ParCast for free on Spotify. This is our first episode on Evelyn Foster. This time, we'll cover Evelyn's life in Otterburn, England, her career as a taxi driver, and the mysterious final ride that led to her death. Next time, we'll explore the controversial police investigation that followed, as well as the conflicting theories about what truly transpired on the final night of Evelyn Foster's life. We have all that and more coming up. Stay with us. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all. But it doesn't have to be. With a personalized plan and expert coaching, Anytime Fitness can help make the gym less frightening. Get more for your gym membership than machines. Get personalized support anytime, anywhere. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. See website for details. There's no better feeling than a personal win. And the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with the personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. This episode is brought to you by Amazon Prime. You know Amazon Prime is not just a shipping subscription, right? It's got everything, including streaming TV and movies on Prime Video. And of course, Prime's fast, free shipping. Go from watching your favorite shows 
to getting your favorite things. Whatever you're into, it's on Prime. Visit Amazon.com slash Prime to get more out of whatever you're into. In the late 1800s, life in Otterburn, England, was simple and peaceful for most residents. Evelyn's father, Joseph, moved there just before the turn of the century. He was just a boy when he started fixing bicycles. As an adult, he trained at a motor vehicle company in central England and opened up a repair shop. In 1899, he married Evelyn's mother, Margaret. She helped Joseph with his fledgling business, never afraid to get down and dirty. And as their hard work expanded the company, their family got a little bigger, too. Joseph, he's perfect, our little Gordon. I'm surprised he didn't come out holding a wrench. I swear it looked like he was sliding right out from under a carriage when he was delivered. (laughs) Everything is work with you. You know, having children takes more than just a little routine maintenance. Children? Huh. You don't think we're stopping with just one, do you? We can fill a bus full of them for all I care. I need all the extra hands I can get around here. Well, then we'd better get to work. Their firstborn, Gordon, was soon followed by three girls. The eldest was Evelyn, born three years later. She was followed by Dorothy, and then the youngest, Margaret. Joseph had plenty on his plate already, but in 1904, his ambitions were still sky high. He built an open-top bus to transport farmers back and forth to a local market. Since there weren't any railways running through Otterburn, the buses also brought customers to nearby stations. It was a shrewd move. By the late 1920s, he had a monopoly on mass transit in the area. He owned 10 single-deck buses and greatly expanded his operation. In time, Foster's garage became a family affair. All four of the children started working there at a young age, helping out before and after school. Little is known about Evelyn's childhood other than that the family was apparently close-knit, happy, and surrounded by puppies. Their property, referred to by the locals as the kennels, was originally used for breeding dogs. And the Fosters were happy to keep the tradition alive. Joseph was known to have over a dozen pups living on the grounds at any given time. It was definitely a full house. To help out their business, the Fosters also rented out one of their houses to out-of-town workers. As the children reached adulthood, Evelyn and her siblings had to find their niche in a very busy company. Gordon became foreman of the garage. Dorothy helped at the gas pumps, and Margaret blossomed as a bus conductor. Evelyn, now in her 20s, decided to carve out her own unique position. Evelyn Foster, premier taxi driver. Has a nice ring, doesn't it, Mom? Absolutely not. A young lady like yourself should aspire to more than driving a cab. Are you serious? You're always exhausted because you work so hard. That's nothing to be ashamed of. Well, if your father knew how to properly write an invoice, maybe I'd look a little different. Thankfully, us foster women break the mold. Dad would still be changing bike tires without you. Well, all right, you got me. 
Tell me about the cab then. I'm listening. A taxi service would give our customers an exciting new option for transportation. And we can use my car. I've run the numbers. It won't pull revenue from the bus line. It could take the business to a whole new level. Hmm. Please. The only chance I have of making this work is with your support. If you tell Father you think it's a good idea, he'll go along with it. I'd say no, but I can tell you won't make that easy. Then say yes. I promise it's a sure thing. Evelyn had thought out her plan for a taxi service in incredible detail. Growing up in Otterburn, she knew her hometown like the back of her hand. She knew you could walk from the Foster's garage on one end of the village to the Percy Arms Hotel on the other end in just a few minutes. Every Saturday night, the Memorial Hall held popular dances for locals and travelers alike. On other evenings, the place hosted billiards and dominoes. Evelyn realized that people needed a more efficient way to get from the country to all the exciting attractions in the village. And she knew exactly which potential routes would be the most lucrative. So after she presented her case, Evelyn's father, Joseph, had no choice but to sign off on her plans. With a bit of fatherly advice, Evelyn was able to design her entire business model top to bottom. The initial launch was a success. And soon she had a flurry of new ideas for unique and inventive ways her taxi service could benefit the town. Travelers heading north to Otterburn started catching the train to Newcastle, then got Evelyn to transport them the final 30 miles into town. Aristocratic families took advantage of the taxi for house parties. Business boomed again during the fishing season. It wasn't easy to keep up with demand. Evelyn worked every day of the week and was particularly busy on Sundays when many local pastors needed a lift to church. Eventually, various ministries contracted with Evelyn to help their vicars commute to their services. In time, she gained a loyal customer base. And despite the long hours, her customer service was always impeccable. Her friendly personality and generosity really pushed her over the top. She was known to give free rides to less fortunate villagers. Though that's not to say that she was running a charity. She was a smart, thoughtful businesswoman. And luckily, gas and taxi repairs were covered thanks to her family discount. On top of that, being an employee of her family business meant her insurance was also taken care of. The taxi business was unquestionably a success. By the young age of 28, Evelyn had enough assets to afford a couple of houses of her own if she'd wanted. She was part of a growing movement of working women. Earlier in the century, taxis driven by women were rare. But after World War I, the practice became much more common. And Evelyn seemed to genuinely enjoy what she did. Her love of cars had been passed down to her through her parents. Friends said she seemed to light up whenever she talked about them. All that made her quite the catch. She was popular in Otterburn. Her good looks, along with the beautiful voice she lent to the church choir, were the talk of the town. But it took until her late 20s for Evelyn to let down her walls and start dating. The lucky guy was a Scotsman named Ernest Primrose. Ernest was a bus driver for Foster's Garage. 
After serving a tour of duty in the army, he moved to Otterburn and settled down at the Foster family cottage. In between taxi shifts, Evelyn would fill in as a bus conductor, which allowed her time to chat with Ernest. As a couple, they attended dances at the War Memorial Hall and went on long drives together through the beautiful countryside. Before long, whispers of an impending engagement started floating around town. But once Evelyn caught wind of the gossip, she broke things off with Ernest. It all happened too fast. The only other known romance in Evelyn's life involved a man named George Philipson. A joiner by trade, he started working at the Foster Garage in December of 1930. Almost immediately, Evelyn's younger sister Dorothy was ready to play matchmaker. What do you think of Mr. Philipson? Can't you see I'm busy? This oil isn't going to change itself. I think he's handsome and a little mysterious. Dorothy, I've learned my lesson. Getting involved with one of our workers makes things too complicated, and it's unprofessional. But Evelyn, all you do is work. Where else are you going to find someone? The nights get so cold this time of year. Don't you want a warm body sleeping beside you? Dorothy Foster, just because we're in the garage, it doesn't mean you can be so crass. How are we even related? You're such a prude. And you are such a bully. I'm the big sister. I'm supposed to be giving you a hard time, not the other way around. Just promise me you'll think about it. Christmas is right around the corner. I don't want to see you alone on the holidays. <sighs> if I say I'll think about it, will you leave me alone and let me get back to work? Maybe. Fine. I'll think about it. By Christmas of 1930, Evelyn seemed to have everything going for her. She was a model citizen, a dutiful daughter, and a caring sibling. Not to mention, she was a shining jewel in the crown of the Foster family business. The new year should have brought nothing more than joy and a bright, shining future. But fate had something else in store. Coming up, the final day of Evelyn Foster's life. I'm Darnell Ishmael, guest host of Bass Reeves, No Master But Duty, the special four-part miniseries from Solved Murders. I am honored to take you on a journey deep into the Old West to meet one of the greatest true crime heroes you may have never known existed, Bass Reeves. No Master But Duty reveals the true story of a formerly enslaved man who went on to become one of the most legendary U.S. Deputy Marshals in the American West, bringing justice to over 3,000 criminals. Follow Solved Murders and catch all four episodes of Bass Reeves' No Master But Duty. Listen for free, only on Spotify. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all. But it doesn't have to be. 
With a personalized plan and expert coaching, Anytime Fitness can help make the gym less frightening. Get more for your gym membership than machines. Get personalized support anytime, anywhere. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. See website for details. And now, back to our story. January 6th, 1931, started out like any other winter day in Otterburn, England. The Fosters woke up. Someone had to get the passengers to the station before the first trains departed. Gordon, Evelyn's brother, took her car to do an early morning run. That left her at home to do the usual morning chores. Going above and beyond her job, Evelyn, or Evie as Gordon called her, was typically responsible for cooking the entire family breakfast. Once she was done in the kitchen, she made her way to the family office to handle some clerical duties before she left the house for the day. She likely kept an eye out for George, who some days earlier had tried to get a little too friendly. That's 132 pounds. Uh, Come in. George, to what do I owe the pleasure? Miss Foster, I'm sorry for interrupting. Ms. Foster is my mother. If you're looking for her, she's probably back in the garage keeping everybody on task. Yes, of course. Evelyn, I was hoping, could you remind me when we get paid? Are you dim? With times as tough as they are, I find it hard to believe you haven't learned when payday is. (laughs) I suppose it just slipped my mind. But as long as I'm here, if you're not too busy, I thought maybe we could go for a ride sometime. We could see the countryside. Well, usually the only strange men I allow in my taxi are paying customers. If you do happen to figure out when you get paid, maybe you can hail me and I'll give you a lift. I guess I'll see you on the street then. Good day. Good day to you too. Not a chance. Evelyn hadn't seen him that morning, and she was relieved to dodge George's advances for the time being. Around 2 p.m., she left the house to feed the hens. Once that was over, her chores were finally complete. After working all day at the kennel, her first ride for the day came at around 6.30 that evening. Two farmers and a woman had stopped by the foster home to settle a debt with Evelyn's father, Joseph. They also needed a ride a few miles northwest to the villages near the border of Scotland. With bales of straw balanced in their laps, the three passengers piled into Evelyn's taxi. But before they reached Rochester, Evelyn had to deliver some firebricks to a customer about four miles north of Otterburn. After that, it was onward to the final destination. Evelyn dropped off her three passengers near their homes and turned around to head back. That might have been the end of her night, if not for one more hitch in the road. Before we go any further, it's important to note that the following account was given by Evelyn to her mother. It's almost impossible to completely corroborate her story. But according to her, 2.5 miles outside of town, in a place called Elishaw, she spotted a man standing idle outside of a car. It's unclear whether he hailed Evelyn or if she just stopped out of the goodness of her heart, but either way, 
She pulled over to see if she could help. As Evelyn described him, the man was of average build, clean-shaven, and wearing a dark overcoat with a bowler's hat. He told Evelyn he was trying to get to Newcastle, a couple dozen miles south. He said he'd just been dropped off by another traveler who had already taken him as far as they could go. He thought he could catch a bus to his final destination if he could just make it to Otterburn first. But that plan didn't make a lot of sense to Evelyn. She explained to the man that the last bus to Newcastle from Otterburn had already left for the evening, but he could catch a bus from Pontyland, some 20 miles southeast. Well, I guess that means I'm fresh out of luck then. I like to help those in need when I can. I'm headed back to Otterburn now. I'd be happy to give you a free ride if you like. That would solve the problem of me standing here on the side of the road like a bumpkin. But I'm afraid I still don't know how I can get to Pontyland before the day is done. Uh, don't suppose you could give me a lift all the way? Oh, my charity doesn't extend that far, I'm afraid. In this weather, at this time of night, it would cost you a pretty penny. Name your price. Uh, that'd probably be two pounds. Ooh, you're right, that is a pretty penny. Uh, you sure there's not any other way to get there? Uh, how's this? I'll take you to town and drop you off at the inn. You might be able to get a ride for free from someone there. If I see you later out by the bridge and you can pay my fare, I'll give you that ride. If I don't see you, I'll know you found another way there. Sounds reasonable enough. There's few things I like more than a well-laid plan. Okay, then get in. It's freezing out there. Evelyn headed back home to fill up her taxi. She found most of the Foster family settled indoors, finishing up their evening out of the cold. At 7 p.m., Mr. Foster was in the living room doing some bookkeeping while Mrs. Foster and Dorothy were in the kitchen. There you are, Evelyn. Your father and I were starting to worry. Everything is fine, Mother. I'm just stopping by for a minute. I brought a man down from Elishaw. He wants to go to Pontyland to catch a bus. Pontyland? At this time of night? You never stop, Evelyn. Are you sure this is a good idea? He was very respectable and gentlemanly. He seems harmless. Where is he now? He went down to the inn to see if he can get a lift for free. I told him if he couldn't, I'd take him the rest of the way. I'm going to stop by and see if he takes my deal or not. I really don't know about this. It's already dark. Can you wait for tomorrow? I know. Ask George Philipson to join you. Everyone knows he's been dying to get inside your taxi anyway. Dorothy! I don't like the tone, but I do think your sister has a good idea. George can keep an eye on this mystery traveler. It would make me feel a lot better about the situation. I see. So when father stays out late to make some extra money, it's fine. But when I do it, I'm reckless? Evelyn, please, for me. Fine. I'll be back before you know it. As it turned out, Evelyn was just appeasing her mother by agreeing to ask George Philipson to join her. 
At some point, Mrs. Foster got word that George was out on the town that night. Evelyn hadn't bothered to ask him to join her. Instead, she'd gone off on her own. As the hours ticked by, Mrs. Foster waited restlessly for her daughter to come home. She had no way of knowing that Evelyn was locked in a fight for her life. Coming up, we'll take a ride alongside Evelyn and piece together what might have happened based on her final words. This episode is brought to you by Amazon Prime. You know Amazon Prime is not just a shipping subscription, right? It's got everything, including streaming TV and movies on Prime Video. And of course, Prime's fast, free shipping. Go from watching your favorite shows to getting your favorite things. Whatever you're into, it's on Prime. Visit Amazon.com slash Prime to get more out of whatever you're into. The Hargan women seemed to have it all. We were blessed. My mom was amazing. But detectives would soon discover... Inside the house, there were the bodies of two women. A story of betrayal you would struggle to believe if it wasn't true. I am just praying to God this is a sick joke. From 48 Hours, this is Blood is Thicker, the Hargan family killings. Listen to Blood is Thicker, the Hargan family killings, starting May 8th, wherever you get your podcasts. And now, back to the story. Just past 7 p.m. on January 6, 1931, Evelyn Foster agreed to one last fare before ending her work for the day. A man asked her to help him get from Otterburn to Pontyland, a long ride for that time of night. We don't know for sure what happened next because Evelyn was the only witness to what transpired. But based on her account, it seems Evelyn refueled her taxi and then drove across town to meet the mysterious man by the bridge as planned. Couldn't find a ride, huh? It was worth a shot, I suppose. A lovely hotel, but not a single traveler headed in my direction. Hopefully you were at least able to warm up by the fire for a moment. This cold really is miserable. For a little bit, yes. But I'll be glad to get in a warm cab and escape the weather again. Shall we get going then? Let's. You know, I think fate brought us together tonight. I promise I'll do my best to make the inconvenience worth your while. As long as you pay the fare, the trip will be worth plenty. The mysterious stranger climbed in Evelyn's passenger seat, rather than heading to the back, and they were off. At 7.22, one of the Foster bus drivers was on their usual route, about 15 miles outside of the city. They spotted Evelyn driving slowly down the street. Being that it was a company car, it was fairly recognizable, so they were pretty sure Evelyn was the one at the wheel. But that was the last time any eyewitness claimed to see her on the road. Because about two miles past that spot, near the town of Belsay, her ride took a tragic turn. You can't drop me off anywhere closer than this? I need to catch a bus. No, sir. I told you already, once you reach Pontyland, you'll be able to catch a bus easily. No, you know what? I've had enough of this. 
Take me back to Otterburn at once. Uh, I don't understand. There aren't any more buses leaving from there tonight. What does taking you back solve? That has nothing to do with you. All right. No reason to get upset, sir. Just give me a moment and I'll get us turned around. Hold on, what are you doing? Stay on your side of the cab! Get your hands off the wheel! I'll take it from here! Evelyn and the stranger wrestled for control of the car, and the man struck her eye in the struggle. She tried to fend him off, but her vision was fuzzy and no one was nearby to help. The man overpowered Evelyn. Pushing her back, he managed to steer the taxi to the edge of a place known by locals as the Wolf's Nick. There, his erratic behavior intensified. It's times like these that I find a cigarette really helps me savor the moment. Would you like one? I want you to enjoy this as well. Get off of me! Suit yourself. From there, Evelyn told them the man started to knock her about. He forced her over the front seat into the back of the cab. Evelyn's mother claimed she also said that he, quote, interfered with her. It's not totally clear, but it's likely she was sexually assaulted. Up to that point, the taxi meant everything to Evelyn. It was a symbol of her independence, her ingenuity, and her family. The stranger stepped all over that. The final memory Evelyn shared was of the man pulling something from his pocket. She described it as a bottle or tin. Her eyes went wide, and in her words, she just went up in a blaze. Meanwhile, around 9 p.m., another employee of the Foster family garage, Cecil Johnson, was driving down his nightly route. He was headed to the company's home base in Otterburn on his way back from a trip to Newcastle. Frozen hills of grass rolled along the countryside, casting shifting shadows onto his dashboard. So far, it had been a quiet, unassuming night. Cecil only had one passenger with him, his co-pilot, Tommy Rutherford. The pair had just dropped off their last customer in Kirk Welpington. They only had a few miles to go, and they were both excited at the prospect of getting indoors and warming themselves by a comforting fire. Up to that point, the two men had seen few signs of life on the road home. But as the bus hung a left at a dreary area called the Wolf's Nick, Cecil noticed something glowing to the right, just off the main road. Cecil, look. What in heaven's name is that? I don't know. But does it matter? I swear this dreadful day will never end. No, Cecil, this is serious. Look over there, to the northeast. Just past the gap at the Otter Cops. Is that... A fire? Pull over! As the men got closer, they saw the source of the flames, a taxi cab. The wheels were still ablaze, 
though most of the vehicle was smoldering by that point. The man ran around the car to try and figure out what was going on. While circling the scene about 10 yards from the taxi, Cecil saw the figure of a woman sprawled out on the ground. When they rushed over, they realized what they were seeing. Evelyn Foster lay amongst the frozen grass by the side of the highway. She was in a state of shock, naked from the waist down and covered in ashy, bloody burns. Cecil immediately took off his coat and wrapped it around Evelyn. He could feel her taking shallow breaths beneath him. He lifted her off the ground and helped her to his bus, trying not to jostle her too much. As he did, Evelyn said four words that would perplex investigators for nearly a century. Oh, that awful man. The men raced back to Otterburn. They arrived at Evelyn's home and the family brought her upstairs to her room. It was a small town, so there weren't many medical professionals, but the few that were qualified tended to her all night long. Tragically, despite their efforts, by the next morning, Evelyn succumbed to her injuries. News of the murder spread quickly. Evelyn was so well-known in the community that people couldn't believe she'd been targeted. It was up to law enforcement to gather information, but the case struck the police as extremely bizarre from the start. No one else besides Evelyn ever even claimed to have seen the man in question, and there appeared to be no logical reason for his aggression. Of course, the investigators didn't doubt Evelyn's account for a second. Almost immediately, they started digging for the suspect based on her description. Unfortunately, there was just no good place to start. As time passed, things changed. Within weeks, the case would be turned upside down as people close to Evelyn questioned the evidence and even her account of that fateful night. Thanks again for tuning in to Unsolved Murders. We'll be back next time to try and solve the mystery of Evelyn Foster's death. For more information on Evelyn, amongst the many sources we used, we found The Burning of Evelyn Foster by Jonathan Goodman, as well as Death at Wolf's Nick, The Killing of Evelyn Foster by Diane James. Extremely helpful to our research. You can find all episodes of Unsolved Murders and all other Spotify originals from ParCast for free on Spotify. We'll see you next time. Unsolved Murders True Crime Stories is a Spotify original from ParCast. Executive produced by Max Cutler. Our head of programming is Julian Boireau. Our supervising sound designer is Russell Nash. With Nick Johnson as our head of production, and quality control by Lisa Marie Gallegos. Stacy Nemick is our supervising editor, and Derek Jennings is our writing lead. This episode of Unsolved Murders was written by Thomas Wortham, edited by Kylie Harrington and Terrell Wells, fact-checked by Kevin Johnson, researched by Mickey Taylor, 
produced by Joshua Kern and sound design by Brian Golub. It stars Melissa Medina, Julian Smith, Sammy Amounts, Rebecca Thomas, Brian Green, Nazee Tarsha, and Cameron Nicod. Our hosts are Wendy McKenzie and me, Carter Roy. I'm Darnell Ishmael. This February on Solved Murders, join me for a four-part miniseries on the incredible life and career of Bass Reeves, one of the preeminent U.S. Deputy Marshals in the American West. In Bass Reeves, No Master But Duty, discover how a man born into slavery took freedom by force and brought over 3,000 criminals to justice, including his own son. Follow Solved Murders and catch all four episodes of Bass Reeves, No Master But Duty. Listen for free, only on Spotify.